you sometimes feel alone? Or would it be more to the point to ask if you often feel alone? Is it true that an increasing number of people are experiencing loneliness due to a lack of personal relationships with others? Is this unintended isolation causing personal harm? And how does one's relationship with God affect one's ability to initiate and maintain relationships with others? We'll address these questions and others on this podcast edition of Craving Answers, Craving God. I'm Chuck Rathert with Aaron Miller. Aaron is the pastor at St. James Lutheran Church in Glen Carbon, Illinois. Good day, Aaron. Hello, Chuck. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? You feeling good? Feeling great. Well, let's talk a little bit about the question of loneliness. And my first question to you is, is personal loneliness an increasing problem for the people in our country? Yeah, in our society, uh, loneliness is a massive problem. It's actually epidemic proportions. People are reporting, um, I sometimes will say this, talk to my um, my students at the junior college, and uh, if I ask them, uh, you know, how's it going, be honest with me, uh, the response I almost always get is either bored or lonely. Uh, convince me that you're not exaggerating. When you talk about, when you use words like massive, and what'd you say, epidemic? Yeah. Um, you're not overstating the case? I, I don't think so. I, um, I mean, I, I don't really know what I can do to prove that except just to say I'm going to guess that almost everybody who's listening to this right now experiences loneliness to some extent. And, and now we're all, you know, everybody throughout history is, you know, there's, there are moments when you are alone and you can feel the weight of that being alone. But it's become a chronic condition. It's not just become an occasional thing. It's become a chronic thing. And you know, just I'm anecdotally, of course, uh, the people at my church, I noticed the first year, I've mentioned this in sermons before, I noticed the first year that I was here and meeting people, new people who were coming in, people who were already here. And one of the things they said to me is, I've always felt really lonely as a Christian. And uh, you know, I want a church where I won't feel lonely anymore. And I thought that's interesting. It's a di- different, somewhat different demographic than my college students. I mean, they're you know eighteen to twenty-five year olds who come to church at my church, but it's a definitely a broader demographic. And it appears to me that, and of course, I'm, this is not just anecdotally. This is backed up by sociological studies as well. That boredom and loneliness have reached chronic, uh, uh, a level of uh, chronic sustaining in our culture. I thought this is interesting that it's across the board. It's uh, old people, young people. Uh, people are lonely. In your ministry, do people often come to you because they're suffering from chronic loneliness? It depends. They don't usually, people don't usually come and say to me, I'm lonely and I wish that I wasn't, unless it's evident in an area of their life where they sense that that loneliness should not be there. Um, so church, as I, I used the example before of church, people, people have this sense that they should not be lonely in a larger community, in, in, a, you know, in, a, in a, a community family, a church family. And yet many of people have this experience of, of being in church for a long, long time and being lonely. And there are a lot of people who have left church, who have abandoned Christianity, not for logical reasons, uh, sometimes not for uh, um, uh, theological reasons, even, but sometimes just because, uh, you know, quite simply, 
I didn't have any friends there. No, you know, I went to this church for a long time and I didn't know anybody there. So another another incident when when this will happen, people will come and talk to me and say, and this is quite common, I'm lonely in my marriage and I know that's not the way it should be. I mean, we all we all assume, you know, anybody who's watched a rom-com or a Disney movie assumes that when you get married, you know, you have a partner, you have a friend. And of course, for all of us who are married, there are times when that that's strained somewhat. But there are a lot of people right now in our culture, including many Christians, who, you know, kind of step back and take a look at their marriage and say, I'm I'm really lonely in this thing, and I don't feel connected to my spouse. I don't feel like they know me. I don't feel like I re- I really know them. And let's get that taken care of. So yeah, people come and talk to me, but usually not in a general sort of way when it impinges on a specific part of their life. I suppose there's some kind of normal frame of mind that most of us exist in. Uh, There are euphoric times, and then there are sad and lonely times. And that's just part of being alive. How does one come to the conclusion that their loneliness has crossed over into an area where personal harm might be happening. And it's, it's not just an episode, but it's become a problem. Yes. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I'm going to take the word personal harm in as broad a sense as possible, uh, you know, to include not just uh, being harmed uh, or, or, or wanting to harm oneself physically, but also sensing that this is damaging to me. The way I'm living my life is damaging to me. Now people will usually it, they'll get to that point that you're describing when they try to medicate the loneliness by being around other people, and that doesn't work, and that doesn't work. There's, there's it's actually, if, if you talk to the sociologist, the loneliest people in the world are people who are living in cities now. And the reason why they go and live in cities is because they want to be around other people. People, some, some you know, some people don't, of course. Some people like the country life. Some people like suburban life. Some people want the hustle and bustle of living in an urban environment. But what's happening is that people are moving into an urban environment and they're not any less lonely than they were before. And in fact, the presence of other human beings, massive amounts of other human beings living and moving and uh, you know, walking around them and working with them all day actually just exacerbates this sense of loneliness. So when you, when you realize that your loneliness is not being, you, you know, you're you're just as lonely when your husband is at home as you are when he's away. Then you realize this becomes a problem and it needs to get taken care of. And there are other, there are ways to do that. You know, there there like we talked in a past um, episode about self medication. Uh, you know, people will sometimes deal with loneliness uh, by you know whatever a drink or hobbies, uh, but that doesn't that doesn't go that that doesn't scratch the itch that we all have to be connected to other human beings. I wonder what, if anything, has changed. I'm thinking a hundred years ago when, at least here in America, just about everybody lived on a farm. There are a few people in the city, small city or village, and they were fairly isolated. And they, I guess, they seemed to do just fine. And now, as you pointed out, we have people, many, many more people packed into tight quarters. And all of a sudden we have a loneliness problem. What's changed? Yeah, well, so now you're getting right at the heart of it. There, there is this is not this is not a problem that people don't know why it's happening. This is not like a mysterious virus that nobody knows the, the source of. 
Uh, we now know, and, and, and this, uh, to go back a few podcast episodes ago, that if you so you live in a culture that I, I know that this is uh, this is too broad of a term, but in a postmodern culture where there is nothing in the middle of the room anymore, there's no God in the middle of the room, there's no science as a controlling, you know, uh, central organizing proposition true north that's right yeah as 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 a standard that's a great true north is a great way to say that that that's not in the middle of the room anymore now what's happened to us in america after the 1960s in europe since the 1940s the end of world war ii in fact is that we ourselves insist that we are god and the power that we get from that is sweet i get to decide what's right and wrong for myself and I get to decide what's good or bad for myself, and nobody has a right to tell me otherwise. Now, that's, that's, a, sweet, that, that's a sweet fruit. The trade-off, though, is now I'm com- completely disconnected from every other human being because in order, to be ap- to, in order to be connected to a friend or a spouse or a coworker, I have to give up part of that sovereign authority in order to let them into my life I, do, I, I, as a postmodern, am not willing to do that. I want friends. I want connection. But I'm not willing to let anybody inside the walls of my tiny kingdom. Now, my, my kingdom is super tiny. Nobody else is allowed in here, else it's not my kingdom. But it is my kingdom. I am in charge in here. And we as a culture have decided, let me say that better, we as individuals, almost in mass in this culture, have decided that we would rather be in charge in a tiny, lonely kingdom than to give up authority, but to have other people in our lives. And that's exactly the problem. So at the top of the um, podcast, I posed the question, do you sometimes feel alone? And I'm thinking of an individual who's now listening to this. And when they hear that question asked, inside their head is a loud, resounding, yes, exclamation point. Yeah. Touched a nerve. So now they've been set up because they're craving an answer to this problem. Do you have an answer for them today? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm going to offer this up as a, a possible solution, and I'm going to encourage anybody who's struggling with this, uh, Christian or non-Christian, to grab onto this and give this a chance. Um, God has created us for community He's created us to look like him. And now we're coming back to what we ended with on the last episode. If God, if the Christian God, who who I believe is the God from eternity, is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's it. But before he was the creator, before he was the redeemer, he was relationship, what Christians call the Trinity. And if we're made to look like him, that means that we were designed for relationship. And the only way to actually get that need satisfied is to find this relationship in him and in his plan. And the plan that he has is he's created, he's created in his son, Jesus, a new and renewed humanity. He's in the process of building up a community of people in himself. That's why the Bible talks quite frequently about Titus two talks about, which some of us have been studying recently. You know, Jesus gave his life. Titus two 14 says to make us his very own people. Like he, so as postmoderns, Christians are postmoderns too. I'm both a Christian and a postmodern, although I want my Christianity to be the true north, 
by which I judge my uh, postmodern uh, predilections. But as a postmodern, I would love to believe that Christianity is God helping me as an individual. That's part of what Christianity is trying to do. But the primary thing Christianity is doing is it's that that it is is a new family, a new community. So I would encourage, and we can talk for the rest of the time if you'd like about how this actually looks in real life and and, and what it means to find what it means to be truly accepted, truly loved, truly embraced, truly known in the church of Jesus. So in your proposed remedy, I was thinking that if you were going to give me the answer that I craved, that you would be telling me things like, well, you know, get involved in a stamp club or join a a pickle league or something like that, you know, get out there and, and mingle. Uh, I was not expecting you, well, I should have been because you're a pastor, but I was sort of not expecting you to go to God as maybe the first resource for Mm -hmm. dealing with my loneliness. Yeah. So now I feel like I'm sort of in foreign territory. I hear what you're saying, but I'm not quite sure how to process it. Yeah. So that's good. And there's a reason why I didn't say join a stamp club. And it's not just because uh, that, that wouldn't be the first thing that came to my mind is in terms of clubs. although. You know, collecting stamps is certainly a noble hobby that I, if you do that, I, I apologize if I am flipping about what you care about deeply. But the reason why I didn't say that is because, and it's also not because I'm a Christian pastor. And I realize that if you're listening to me right now, what you heard when I said that is, oh, this guy's like trying to say big, smart words to try and get me to come to church so he can be in charge of me. And it's just, I, I'm going to ask you to suspend that cynicism just for a minute and hear me out here. I'm not encouraging you to join a stamp club, although that's you know fine. Go and do that. I'm not encouraging you to you know join a golf club or you know be more involved in your HOA. And here's the reason why: is because that's not going to work for you. You know, some 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 of you have moved to a city in order to scratch this itch, and it hasn't worked for you. Some of you have like uh, joined the HOA. Some of you have joined clubs. Some of you have decided, you know what? When my friends go out after class today, I'm going to go with them. And you still are just as lonely as you were before. And here's the reason why. The thing about a stamp club is, no, so okay, let me back up. There's two ways as a postmodern to deal with individual sovereignty. One way is to do the desperado method. I'm, I'm, the I'm my desperado own. method. Yes, I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> I'm, I'm on my own. I don't need anybody else. I don't need anybody to love me. Uh, you know, I am a rock. I am an island. So now I've quoted the Eagles and I've quoted. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Simon, Simon Garfunkel. And Garfunkel. Yeah, so uh, that 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 I don't need anybody else. Now, most of us can't live like that because most of us want we're still in, we're still under the impression that we can scratch the loneliness itch by being around other people. And so, what we do is we join a stamp club. Now, why do we join a stamp club? Because I want to be with people who look like me and talk like me and are interested in the same things I do. And, and every single person who's listening to this, if I say, well, let's, you know, you should get a group of friends. The first thing that we're going to think about is let me find people who are interested in the things that I am or that are in the same socioeconomic group that I am. But what happens is you get there and you realize these are just a, another group of me's. These are just another group of people who are, uh, they're just like me. They talk like me. This is a great, you know, what a great example of this is to quote uh, the police is the song message in a bottle where, you know, sting writes this song about this guy on the desert Island 
who is so, you know, it's, it's a metaphor for loneliness. He puts this message in a bottle and he's crying out for help. He wakes up the next morning and there's a hundred million bottles from a hundred million castaways all saying the same thing. Well, okay, so that might, you might think that that might help. Let me hang out with all the other castaways, but you're just as lonely as they are and they're just as lonely as you are. Okay, so here's where I'm headed. And this is why I ask you to suspend your cynicism because what the Christian church offers you is the same thing that the Trinity is diversity in unity. See, what you're not craving, what you're craving is not just human interaction, but you're craving diverse human interaction. And when we don't, when we aren't around people who don't think like us, don't talk like us, have different worldviews than us, have uh, different interests than us, different ages than us, if we restrict ourselves to people who are just like us, you're never going to get that itch scratched. What the Christian church offers, and, and St. Paul says it a hundred different times, which that's of course is an exaggeration for emphasis. I'm going to say he says it four or five different times. He says that in Jesus Christ, there's no male or female. There's no Jew or Greek. He says this in Galatians 3. He says this in Colossians 3. Uh, there's no male or female. There's no slave or free. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And what he's offering us is this, is a world where you're not identified by people who look just like you, but you can be one with, you can experience life with men and women both, rich and poor, old and young, whatever socioeconomic status, ethnic, whatever ethnicity, he says Jew and Greek several different times, Paul, in both Galatians 3 and Colossians 3, he makes a point of saying, you know, both Jew and Gentile, both Jew and Greek, uh, but both Jew and non-Jew. And th- this is what we need. This is, this is the answer to our craving for relationship is to be around a diverse group of people. So you have, if I heard you correctly, have identified the church or the congregation as a possibility here to deal with the problem of loneliness. I'm thinking, I go to church. I see the same people pretty much every week. I wave to them. They wave to me. I say, how you doing? They say, how you doing? We both say, we're doing great. Um, Many of us are probably not telling the truth there. Right. And then uh, we do it again next Sunday. So for the person who says, I go to church, church doesn't do anything yeah, yeah. to help me with my loneliness. Yeah. And quite frankly, I've been going to church for a long time, and I'm not sure, Pastor, that I believe you that when you say right. that, that the church might be a remedy for my problem. Can you get me there? Yeah. So, so uh, um, you, you've pushed us to the next level. You know, I, I'm inviting all of you to to come experience life in the Christian church as an antidote to your loneliness. Uh, but what uh, you've described, Chuck, is what many Christians that unfortunately have experienced. And the key to this is your line, I, I go to church all the time. You know, going to church, you know, what the Christian church has done. So first of all, what I'm about to say as a Christian is I'm going to use Christianity to judge the Christian church, which, by the way, side note, this is what Christians should always be about using Christianity to be self-critical of themselves. You know, Christians talk about the church and community, but if what they talk if what they're talking about is, you know, what you said, going to church, then they've completely missed the point. Going to church is not going to do it. Going to church as if church is an event on Sunday morning or, you know, Wednesday night or whenever it is that you go to church, that's not going to scratch this itch because you don't go to church, you are the church. And because Christians, especially, now this is not the case in the global South, but Christians in the West, because we're all postmoderns, 
What do you mean by global south? So not the West, uh, Latin America, okay. Africa, Southeast Asia. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, where where community is sort of built in, the desire for community is sort of accepted as the norm at this point. However, again, in the West, we're postmodern. So postmodern Christians have this sense that, well, I should go to church. You know, I mean, God says church is important, so I guess I better do it. And in, in, in a lot of postmodern Christians, by the way, don't do it because they've said, well, you know, church isn't important. What we've done, though, is we've said, okay, yeah, church, that's there. I'm supposed to be a Christian. However, as postmoderns, we try to figure out a way to make church a place where I can, be, I can still be my sovereign individual. So we go to church. Church is an event that people go to instead of a family that they are all the time. One element of that family, I'm not, it's a very important element, is the weekly gathering. But that is not what church is. Church is this renewed community. In fact, if um, not sure how much time we have left here, but the way Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, actually, he uses this metaphor a lot of you know, Romans 12 as well, um, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 5, um, a couple other places too. Colossians 1 is he uses this metaphor of, of the of this renewed Jesus community as a body as a body which has completely different parts. So look if you if you try to think of a body that's made up of all one part, it's not going to work. And that's what we as a culture we, we do. You know, we we are either, you know, desperado body parts, we're just which which you know, an ear can't do anything if it's just sitting there on the ground. Or we want to be in groups that are all like us. And so we go to the stamp club or we go to the ear club where it's all it's all of us ears. Well, then who's doing the sing? Who's doing the walking around? But what Paul says is that the body of Christ is supposed to be a body. It's supposed to be a group of diverse, completely different interests. We saw this. I can't remember if I was talking with you about this last time or if this was a different a different place I was talking about. You know, when Jesus creates, when Jesus starts to create this initial new family around himself, he puts a Democrat and a Republican together in his family. He puts Matthew who's uh, um, very much loyal to the Roman status quo. He's actually a Jew, but he's gone back on his Jewishness to work for the Romans. And he puts Peter, who's a zealot, who is radically and violently anti-Rome. He puts them together in the same group, and he's like, this is what your family is. It's going to be diverse. And the reason why it's going to work is because you guys are all so different. And all of your differences are going to come together to work in this body like some of you are a knee, some of you are a foot, some of you are a kidney, some of you are an elbow. Altogether, completely different. We are going to work as one unit. This is the vision that that um, Paul offers, and in fact, it comes from Jesus Himself. If you can let me preach at you for a second, Jesus in John seventeen says, and this has a little bit to do with, um, yeah, this is this this has to do with our loneliness. As long as we understand that what we're talking about today is not how to get rid of your loneliness but how to connect with the eternal God and letting the cure for our loneliness fall out of that connection with him. So Jesus says in John 17, he says, he's praying to his father, you know, Jesus, one member of the Trinity, praying to his father. How many conversations have they had like this over the course of infinity too? And here is Jesus, the son, praying to his father. And he says, I pray that all of these people in my family, all these people in my new church may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So there that is. 
What we're created for is to look like the Trinity. And what Jesus is saying is, God, I want them to be like that. I want them to be like us. I want them to know what it's like to be completely loved and accepted and welcomed and included and be a part of something that's much bigger than themselves. And here's the reason, he says, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me, that they also may be in us. So here's what, here's, here's what we're going to. You know, we started off this conversation you know, hoping to uh, help people with their loneliness. And here we've got around to, we've got around to the secret of the universe, right? Jesus says, I'm creating this family so that they would be one, so that they wouldn't be lonely anymore. No, no, that's going to be a side effect. That's going to be a helpful side effect. So that they can, you know, have people that all get along with them. Uh, that may or may not be the case in the Christian church that we're all getting along. No, what's, what's the goal here? That they also may be in us. When we... In Jesus, in the Christian church, not going to church, but in the Christian church, connect with each other, connect with the, with this ethnically, socio socioeconomically, interest-wise, diverse group of people. We become one in Jesus. We're actually connecting to who God is. We're actually tapping in to the secret at the center of the universe. That's why you're so lonely. That's why people are so lonely is because you don't just want friends. You want to know that you've made contact with ultimate reality. By the way, this is why this this is why moving to a city, this is why joining the stamp club is not going to scratch this itch. You might have people that you can talk to, but you're not making contact with this ultimate reality. But when you connect with Jesus and you connect with this new family, a family that's being the family, not just a group of people that show up at church on Sunday mornings, and you find a good church, you will find a group of people in that church who are still trying to be postmodern. They're still trying, I, I go to church, but they don't really want to connect. You will find in any, any good church, you will find a central family that wants to be, that wants to experience who God is in community. You go there and you find this group and you will find yourself connected to the heart of God. So our listener says, those are good words. Those are good words, Pastor. I appreciate what you're saying, but you just, you don't quite understand my situation. I've been a member of the Stamp Club. I've joined various organizations. I've put myself into those positions. And you know what I got out of it? All I got was discouragement and, and hurt. Those things ultimately led to hurt. And you know what? This may come as a shock to you, but that even happened to me at my church. So yeah. I'm lonely, yes, and I don't like being lonely, but you know it's safer than running those kind of risks that you just described. Yeah. How would you respond? Well, I'll say, uh, so first of all, let me be critical of your church along with you in the name of Jesus. Let's let, let's let, let's let Christianity sit in judgment on our churches. You know, uh, as postmodern churches, we want to be a stamp club. We want to be more like a stamp club, only we're not the stamp club. We're the God club. You know, that's our common interest. And so we get together. And when you get together and you base your connection on you know, we're all the same. What's going to happen is, is that personality is going to end up being in control. It's going to be turned into a power play. And that's what's happened in, in many churches is that instead of being uh, the diverse and one in the name of God, in the name of the Trinity, instead of being the diverse and yet unified family, they've become a stamp club. They've become, um, you, you know, a, a, an interest group, a, a social group. And inevitably, in that sort of scenario, it's going to turn into a power play. 
But now your concern about you've gone through that experience, uh, and, and trust me, everybody goes through that experience in our culture where you can't find an antidote for your loneliness. Everybody has gone through that experience, whether at church or whether at school or whether at work or whether sometimes even under the roof of their own house, people have experienced this hurt. And the temptation is uh, to play it safe and to say, uh, you know, I don't, this is what uh, C.S. Lewis's book, uh, Grief Observed, is about. C.S. Lewis marries, uh, um, marries a lady, no interest in uh, being married, and because he knows if I get married, I'm going to get hurt. Either, uh, you know, he says at one point in the book, uh, I, I look, at, this is after his wife dies, so a, a grief observed is Lewis's recollections of his own psychological state in the days and weeks and months following his wife's death. And he says, I walk down the street and I see in my friends' faces, I, I, I pass my friends who are couples and I see in their faces, someday that's me. One of these days, either I'm going to be burying my spouse or she's going to be burying me. And that kind of potential hurt, I mean, this is, this is what Simon and Garfunkel are t- talking about in their song, you know, they're kind of um, uh, criticizing this attitude of, uh, you know, I'm a rock, I'm a, nobody can touch me because I don't want to be hurt. And yet I would say this is that um, the game, what you're losing, what you're losing by having that attitude is this connection with the eternal God. What you have to gain by giving up that attitude is connection with the eternal God. Is it going to hurt? Yes. You know why? Because God hurts. At the heart of the meaning of the universe is the suffering God. And all I can say is this, is that if you get involved in people's lives, if you do what, I, if you do what I'm encouraging you to do and try to find true and intimate com- a community in the Christian church, you are going to experience pain. It's inevitable. But just know this, the reason why that pain is there is because the world is a broken place. People are selfish. Jesus himself has experienced that brokenness and selfish. He was abandoned. He was lonely. At the moment of his greatest need, every single one of his friends abandoned him. He took on that loneliness so that we could find acceptance in him. Is it going to be ugly when you get into the Christian church? Absolutely. Always is. But are you going to tap into this reality of I'm connected to people who I know and love and they know and love me? And what's more important, that in experiencing that knowledge and love with them, I'm tapping into a God who from, who from eternity is relationship, who knows and loves me too. That's what's on offer. Is there pain? I can't promise you that there's not going to be pain. What I am going to promise you is access to the secret of the universe. One last quick question. For the lonely person who has isolated him or herself because they don't want to run the risk of being hurt again, so much to the point where um, they're unhappy, but at least sort of comfortable in their loneliness, that they haven't even thought about what the benefits are that they've given up. Can you know? I guess it's kind of crass, but can you itemize for me a little bit of the things that, by isolating myself, I'm now missing out? By having relationships in a Christian community, having a renewed relationship with God at the top of my relationships, what are the benefits? Well, so where do we start? There's a ton of them. Uh, First of all, you know, your emotional life is such that it longs to be connected to other people's emotions. Um, Only now, so like, you know, becoming a hermit, becoming a desperado style postmodern is its own drug. 
you know, and somebody can say, you better let somebody love you before it's too late. But it's hard to get out of this attitude of, I don't want that. Now, so you might not see this right now, but let me just say that when you watch the baseball game and your favorite team comes back from behind in the bottom of the ninth and wins, you don't just want to jump up and down in your living room by yourself. You want to be with somebody else. This is what this is what's on offer. Is that you know the way the Bible talks about it is is there are people who will weep with you when you weep. There are people who will laugh with you when you laugh. There are people who who will pray with you. There will be people who will share every single tough, happy, intimate moment of your life. That's what's on offer. But here's the other thing: on your own. So that's 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 an emotional benefit. Let me give you a practical, um, real life benefit. On our own. We are not good at so many different things. Like I have a, a um, um, like I have a, a certain set of of skills that I can do. I have a certain set of things that I know about. I have, you know, besides those things, an infinite amount of things that I'm not good at, an infinite amount of things that I don't know about, an infinite amount of experiences that I've never experienced. And if I isolate myself, which we do as postmoderns, if we isolate ourselves. We imprison ourselves in our own experiences. We imprison ourselves in our own ways of thinking. We imprison ourselves in our own emotions. And this is why like being at a stamp club is not necessarily going to do it for you. What you need to do is you need to be around people from different ethnic backgrounds. You need to be around people from different interest backgrounds because their experiences, their knowledge fills in the gaps of your own experiences and your own knowledges and, and your own knowledge and your own emotions. The Christian church offers this in spades. If, if we as Christians are willing to embrace this reality that God has called us to be a new family in himself, not bound by gender, not bound by ethnicity, not bound by socioeconomic groups, not bound by ideology even outside of this commitment, this radical commitment to Jesus, as the one true God, that what the, what Christianity offers is a, us is a vista, infinite vista of different perspectives and viewpoints. So, so we talk in our culture a lot, if you'll give me just a couple more seconds, we talk in our culture a lot about diversity. And typically what we mean by diversity is I want a whole bunch of other people who think exactly like I do so that we can get on social media and bash the other group who doesn't think like we do. But what Christianity is offering is all the different types of people in the world from all different backgrounds coming together and not being pigeonholed into one sep- one specific interest group, but allowing their interest and their backgrounds and their makeup to influence all of us as individuals. That's that's what I crave. I want I want diversity of experience, diversity of people around me. And the Christian church is the only place where this is freely and absolutely offered. Aaron, thanks for your words. Thanks for your wisdom. Thanks, Chuck. And we want to say thank you for listening to our Craving Answers, Craving God podcast with Pastor Aaron Miller, pastor at St. James Lutheran Church in Glen Carbon, Illinois. If you have a topic or a question for Pastor Miller, please go to our website at stjamesglencarbon.org and click Contact Us. You'll be able to leave a message there. Thank you for listening.